Good morning, everyone. Well, that was a great worship set, wasn't it? Give them a hand. That was excellent. That's the ordinary stuff. High school, honored to have you. Yes. We, uh, they're here this morning with us. The reason is we have no youth workers. Um, because, well, we have staff. Sorry, Kirk. Didn't mean that that way. Um, but uh, Br- Brooks is in Nicaragua, of course, with the team. Matter of fact, he's speaking this morning in the church he grew up in. So he might be doing it right now as we're standing here. So that's kind of cool. And then Wilson is in Montana. Uh, Joe Bratz, son of uh, uh, Doug and, and Janice, is getting married. And uh, it's his wedding this weekend. So uh, we've got one in Montana, one in Nicaragua. And so the Yuku's joining me to make sure that I'm doing it right. All right? That's a good deal. Hey, we've had a, a, a great week. We wanted to have some pictures for you, and, and they didn't turn out right. But... Um, we had uh, earlier this week we went to Northwest Harvest and served and, and had a just incredible time doing that together, friends and family, youth group people. And then uh, this week was the Run to Win camp. And uh, it was really amazing because the older kids in camp have graduated out, right? They're now in a junior high. So it was a young camp. So, like, the kids are all this big. You're like, wow, they're so small. <laughs> it was, but uh, really a neat week. And those uh, two events really kind of play into what we're going to talk about this morning. If you look on the back of your bulletin also, uh, it's the prayer for the South Sound Snohomish County Youth Young young Life, but also North Lake and uh, Lake Stevens. Young Life, their camps are running right now. This is Malibu. This is uh, Washington National Family Camp. You might have remembered as Wild Horse. That's all going on right now. And the idea that nothing's really happening or the Lord isn't working is not true. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and people are coming to Christ right now, so be in prayer for that. And it's a good thing, and we're going to be talking about uh, serving uh, this morning, and it all ties into that. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this week, and thanks for the fun of serving you. The camps were a gas. It was great fun to do. I'm wonderfully tired, and I'm sure my friends who served with as well are as well. So, Lord, we uh, come this morning and talking about serving nobody does that better than you. You modeled it. You equipped it. You have organized the universe around it. And that spirit, you've actually taken that on as a name, the servant. And uh, you um, do that a lot better than we do. So we are here to learn this morning and walk through your ideas that you've left behind. May your word not go out uh, and come back empty. May it go out and fulfill the purposes for which it was intended. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. So... Gang, here's the deal. So we've been in a series, and it's going through the three major prongs of our church. So one is worship, right, celebrate, and then the other one is serve. We're in that right now, and then we'll be sharing next week. But we've been on this theme, responsibility. So the idea is God calls, and then we answer, right? That's duh, okay? But sometimes when he calls, he asks us to do stuff we're not good at. Right? You've experienced that already. You know how that works, right? And Jesse's going, yes, I do. Okay? So th- the point is, that's exactly right. Right? That's the idea. Because when he calls you to do something that you can't do, then he gives grace. And in that grace, you see him work and suddenly realize it's God working through you, not you doing it. And so this whole idea of responsibility is responding to God's grace when he calls. Does that make sense? Okay. So then in that, we're talking about serving together. So if you uh, take your Bibles, last week we used this. and we, The message last week you can download from the website. But the idea is that we are actually called to serve, right? That when we're saved, when Jesus finds us, when, when we actually come to know him, uh, the idea there then is we're to participate in his kingdom. 
We're supposed to cooperate with them. And most of that has to do with serving other people. All right? That's just, that's just how that rolls. And so uh, we looked at this verse. It says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so the idea there is that God honors those who serve him. God honors those who honor him. God honors those who serve him. Uh, and so I want to explore that idea a little bit this morning. Uh, and I got the idea from talking to Zach this week. He was talking about a book he had gone through back in another church he had been in. It's called uh, Not a Fan by Ken Idlewood. And the idea there is what's the difference between being a fan and a follower? And we're going to walk through that this morning and explore that a little bit uh, in terms of uh, taking the theme. But the uh, prototypical verses for this issue on serving... Uh, we walked through a bunch last week, but the prototypical verse is found in Philippians 2. So I'd like you to turn there, uh, either in your Bible or electronically, however you get there, to Philippians chapter 2. And in this, starting with verse 5, Paul is writing and he says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. The idea of mindset there is, we would understand it uh, from a sports terminology, being in the zone, Right? being in the zone kind of idea, or uh, we would call laser focus or being on target, right? Those kind of ideas. The idea here is as we are living the Christian life, we should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, what Jesus had. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or in another translation it says grasped, held on to, right? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus said, I have come to show the world that I do exactly as the Father has asked. Okay? And that's part of what we're trying to imitate is we responding as well, doing exactly what the Father has asked. And in that then we're called to imitate his example. If you look at the verses that come right before that, verses 1 and 2, look at what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. In other words, the idea here, Paul is doing some flips. Obviously, if you've been saved, if you've been lost, you did not know the Lord, and you actually met Jesus, and you know he saved you, there's great encouragement in that, right? There's like, woo-hoo kind of stuff. And so... The idea here is if there's any encouragement in Christ, well, there's fantastic encouragement in Christ. So Paul's going, obviously because there's encouragement in Christ, look at the rest of them. If there's any comfort in his love, well, there's enormous comfort in knowing God, in knowing his love. If there's any common sharing of the Spirit, that's what we have in common. If there's any tenderness and compassion, which we get a lot of, then make my joy complete by being, again, there's that word like-minded. Okay? That idea of being in the same Spirit being focused on that, having the same mindset. In other words, because of all the things that Jesus has done for us, has done for you, has done for me, because of those things, have this kind of mindset. Uh, it says, Make my joy be c complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. Look at verses 3 and 4. Here's where it gets a little tricky. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain contrition. Selfish ambition. Now that is easy to read. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. 
But those who have been at it for a while realize that's a hard thing to do, right? Because almost everything we do comes from a selfish motive. And here's the thing. High school students, what you need to realize is it doesn't get any better, okay? Right? You think you're carnal nature, you're selfish, you bark at your mom or dad. Okay, well, I'll get better when I'm their guys' age, right? Okay? Adults, does it get any better when you're our age? Okay, see? Look at that. That's why God's getting at you going, why is God getting on me now? Or why get? Because he knows it doesn't get any better. Okay, if you don't cooperate, you're going to be an old curmudgeon like these guys out here. I mean, you've got to get on it now, right? Okay, so the old nature doesn't get any better. And there's two things we vastly underestimate as we walk through the Christian. Number one is this old nature. Somehow we think it'll reform itself. Somehow we think it'll get better. Somehow we think we'll just be nicer. But no, uh, the fascinating thing is, I don't know if you've ever been in nursing homes or that kind of stuff. I've been in a lot of them. And uh, what you find out is that what people have stored inside for 80 years suddenly comes out. And it's amazing to watch because there's stuff that comes out that you wouldn't expect to come out of people. Okay? Even in Christian nursing homes. Pretty wild. Well, what's going on there? They have uh, stuffed some things that nobody ever knew about, and then it came out because what? They've lost their mental capacities. They don't have the restraints or the walls they had before, so, right? Whoa. So, if you don't want to be an old curmudgeon in a nursing home saying things you don't want other people to hear, start working on it now, right? Get your flesh under control. We vastly underestimate. The other thing we underestimate is the warfare. There really is a devil. There really are demons. It's his army. He takes them. They are whispers. They are liars. They, they are massively good at it. They have tipped all kinds of people and stained all kinds of people and wrecked all kinds of uh, churches and wrecked all kinds of marriages. They are very good at what they do in terms of lying. And we underestimate that dramatically to the point where how many churches have been split by that kind of stuff? Just think. How many do you know? Just go through your mental inventory of churches you know have gone through a split or a downfall because of the warfare that they didn't think about. Or how many churches were taken apart by uh, someone who was carnal in their nature and they just went in attack mode and tore apart something? Right? You start listing them. And, and how many marriages, Christian marriages, have fallen apart by that? Because w- instead of operating in the Spirit and serving one another, we were selfish and we sinned against each other and blew the marriage up. Right? We, we really underestimate those things. And Scripture is trying to warn us, do not operate like that. You've got to operate in the Spirit. You've got to have the mindset of Christ. And the mindset of Christ is to be a servant. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility, you know how you learn humility? By being humble. Duh. Right? How many of us sign up to be humble? Hey, I think I'll pick that pie for the week. Right? Humble pie, I'm in. No, not so much. Right? Most of the time, it picks us And then it's whether we will respond right in that, right? And most of the time we respond in pride or hurt, not humility. And humility is something that if you want to learn to be like God, that's something you've got to ask him to teach you. It's kind of like praying for being patient. Falls into that same category. I'm glad you see the humor in that. So rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The idea here is to become other-centered. 
What God is trying to say and teach us is that he's different from us. And one of the ways he's different from us is he's not all absorbed with himself. Most people have a picture of God that it's all about God. God's the rule maker. God's the big judge. He throws it out and he can have it any way he wants because he's God. And if you don't, he will just go, right? And you're an ant on the sidewalk and he just, and you're gone. Right? Because why? Because I'm God and I said so. And what God says is you've really totally missed who I am. I'm not that way at all. I'm other-centered. I care about other people more than I care about myself. And that's hard for us hard for us to learn, to be involved in the interests of others, to be other-centered. So when we look at this, back in the 80s, uh, Gene Getz wrote a book. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he wrote a book called Building Up One Another. And what he did was, he's a, he's a pastor down in the Dallas area, great guy, tremendous ministry. And uh, he wrote a book called Building Up One Another. What he did was took all the one another passages in the New Testament and went and, and uh, studied them. And there were 12 major one another passages, like serve one another, love one another, build up one another. He took all of those and had those. And if you ever want to read about... Uh, what body life should look like. That is a fantastic book to read. It's Gene Getz, Building Up One Another. And uh, he goes through the one another sayings there. But he's working off of this idea found here in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, there's the example, so you must love one another. There's the imitation. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It does not say everyone will know you are my disciples by how many Bible studies you've been to. It does not even say you will know you're my disciples by how much scripture you got memorized. Nothing wrong with Bible studies. Nothing wrong with memorizing scripture. Okay? It does not say the world will know you're my disciples by how many times you attend church. Okay? It says what? The world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. I do this all the time in kind of a funny, sarcastic way with my, us as a gang here in church. Where, so if I see a, uh, a brother and a sister really getting along, right, and they're talking and, and hanging out together, or I see a husband and wife just really enjoying each other and talking, or, or some friends hanging out together, I'll say, hey, hey, knock that off or people think Jesus is alive. Okay? And it's kind of off of this verse. What is that? That's the flip of if you keep that up, people are going to see Jesus. And if you think about it, that's really true. When we serve each other, when we love each other, that's when people really get a sense of Jesus is among us and that he's real. And so it's a very, this serving one another, that's why it's the second corner pillar stone of our church. First is worship. Second is serve one another because of this command right here by Jesus. In Galatians, uh, Paul expands on this a little more. In Galatians 5, you can turn there again. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says this. If you don't, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That's what we were talking about. Uh, is it easy for a church, a family, to become combustible? Is it easy for us to light each other up? We call it in the modern language, pushing each other's what? Buttons, right? Do a husband and wife know how to push each other's buttons? Oh, just with a glance. 
right? Students, do you know how to push your mom and dad's buttons? No, because we follow Jesus, Steve. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> right? We get really good at that kind of stuff. We, we get uh, excellent at that kind of subterfuge. And what the Bible's trying to warn us about is to stay away from that kind of behavior. The heart of that is selfishness. I want what I want when I want it. And I really don't care if a couple people get run over in the process. Too, too bad, but I had to get it. Uh, you see this, uh, like now, uh, gang in the neighborhoods, right? The ice cream truck comes through, right? And you watch all the little kids and they knock each other over. And Well, Kirk knocks them over on the way to the ice cream truck, right? Do you? <laughs> but, but they don't really care if someone gets knocked over as long as they get their ice cream, right? And we can be that like that in life where we are jostling and bouncing each other. So because, well, I'm sorry you got hurt, but I had to get it. And the Bible's saying, no, no, wait, stop. There's lots of ways God can give you what you want. See, and, and part of the problem is we get into the Christian life. If God gives me what I want. So we like the idea of serving him and serving others if I get what I want. Where we get in trouble is when I serve God and then he doesn't give me what I want. Well, then, thank you very much. I'm not playing. Okay. I signed up to serve so I would get this. God says, well, but these other people needed that. Well, I don't care. Get somebody else to do it. Right? We, we run into this and then that's where Scripture says, watch out. Because in that, then we bite and devour each other with our words and with our attitudes. And that's a whole other message on the tongue and we'll leave it right there for right now. Um, but what we're trying to do is increase our serve factor. Now, we do a good job as a church. And I just want to tell you that I'm looking at many of you and you serve your tails off. And it is an absolute privilege uh, to pastor with you because it's just fun doing it together. Uh, and so I'm not really talking at you this morning. I'm talking at the empty seats, but they aren't listening very well. So you're the only ones I have left to talk to. All right. So understand it's the ones not here that really need to hear this message more than likely. But even for us, there are places where we can get engaged and, and sometimes we don't. And what we want to do is not just have people wander through life alone. The idea is that we do life together. And so one of the ways we serve each other is by being connected to each other. And this fall we're coming um, with community groups. And the theme of the community groups is don't do life alone. All right, Matt Chu was in first service. Matt and Amy, Amy's helping lead worship this morning. And uh, one of Matt's uh, life themes is life on life. And what he means by it, when he says, let's do life on life together, what he means is all the cards on the table. Let's, let's talk real. Let's not talk plastic or shallow. Let's just talk real. What are the challenges? What are the struggles? Where are you? What are you doing well? What's the Lord taught you? Let's do life on life and let's go through life together. And the idea there is you don't do well when you're a lone ranger. You don't do well when you're isolated. You don't do well when you're by yourself. And a lot of us have tried to do that, and we're just sitting ducks for the enemy, and we get blown apart. And Satan works overtime on this idea. What does he say? Ah, oh, the church is crummy. The church is ineffective. Uh, you hear people say, I, I want nothing to do with the organized church, and blah, 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 and you hear all this stuff. Well, of course Satan doesn't want you to do anything with the organized church, because who's organizing the body? Jesus. Who's bringing people together? Jesus. Who's Jesus getting to serve each other? Us. Right? 
And Satan doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to be having fellowship together and sharing what Christ has done for us and sharing how Jesus has saved us and sharing friendship and compassion and encouragement and laughter and joy and actually enjoying life the way God designed it. No, that would be awful. Church is boring. Church is lame. He he does all that kind of stuff. But he works really hard at discrediting the church. Why? Because he wants us, Satan wants us to be Lone Rangers. He wants us separate. He wants us isolated. He wants us alienated. He wants us out there so that we're just easy to pick off. Right? And God, on the other hand, wants to bring us together. He says, look, I know you're selfish and I know you have a carnal nature, but I can overcome that if you cooperate with me. And then you will have life and you will have it abundantly. Because you're going to have real people and real relationships. And that's what we're after. And the idea small groups is if you're new, if you're, many of us are already in small groups. But if you're new to Northview within the last year, last six months, we just want to aim you at the fall and say, hey, you want to get tied in? You want to find the rhythm? You want to get known? You want to get invited to lunch? You want to have friends? Get involved in a small group. Okay? Get known by people. Let them know your story. Let them know how you got there. How did Jesus bring you here? How did you come to Christ? And those stories get out. You find out there are miracles sitting next to you and we don't even know it because we don't know the stories. How do you know the stories? In small groups. Right? So, I, 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 yes, I'm selling. Totally. By hook, crook, spin, whatever. All right? If you are isolated, you're not in a small group, I want to beg you to consider and go to the Lord and ask Him, would the small group be a good option for us this fall? It makes a huge difference, and I want to push you towards that. The other thing that we're doing as a board is to realize not only are small groups important when it comes to serving one another, small groups are important when it comes to the body life of the church. That's how really stuff gets accomplished. And if you think about it, we already operate that way a lot. We've already got a worship team, right? If you just think of the worship team, there's all kinds of interacting parts in it, but they function as a a small group because they're connected all the time. They come to worship. They pray together. They do all kinds of stuff. Uh, One of the teams that works here that most of us don't even know about is every Sunday morning up in the conference room, the best part of Sunday morning for me is not the services. Although I love the services, I love what we're doing. The best part is Sunday morning before the service when we pray up in the conference room. There's a group of just committed people. By the way, anybody can come. But there's a group of people that come and we pray before the services, all the needs we know in the church and and the services and we go over that. By the time that's done, I'm good. I'm like, awesome. I don't have to work anymore because God's already salted it. I can come down here and just do it because I know we've already prayed. That's a tremendous small group. And so the idea is we want to organize ministry around teams like that as well because we know that's how people get the most joy and have the most fun. Like this week when we went and did Northwest Family Harvest, we all piled in the cars. We talked all the way down. We served together. We had a lot of fun. We talked all the way back. And, And all those people who did that this week feel connected to each other. All the people who did Run to Win this week, a lot of you didn't do it, but a lot, all of us who did, we were there, we set up, we put stuff together, Alex and I and Abby, man, we rocked it, putting the stuff together, hauling stuff out of the storage shed, we went and had treats, you know, it was just, we had a kick together. And I'm exhaustedly tired this morning, in a wonderful way. Okay? But let me tell you what, all of us who did that, we feel really connected. We don't have to talk about friendships or that, we were friends. And we got to serve Jesus, and we saw Jesus working and going, I didn't think it was that special. I didn't see God do nothing. Well, yeah, because you didn't serve. right? When we serve, we grow. When we grow, we get excited about God. And, and so all the ones that did it this week 
just had a tremendous opportunity. And I think if you think through where you serve, it's when you're serving with others that you really feel connected. So we want to organize around teams. And uh, let me just show you. Now, this isn't finished, but uh, Brian DeYoung really has helped us on the board with this. And uh, it's just a tremendous layout. Talking about the value of ministry teams and that we work better in teams than we do alone. And so, Brian, if I don't get this right, you can jump up, all right? <laughs> but here's, here's how we broke apart. So we said, what are the natural areas as a church we have service teams in? So we have community, fellowship, service, outreach, and staff. And if you look underneath that, uh, right now in community, we have Al Robert. And under him, you can see we have men's ministry, women's ministry, connect groups, and then uh, home base groups. So all, what we said is all the small group stuff should be under community. And then under fellowship, we have events, welcome, integration. You know, if you're new, how do you get tied in? Uh, counseling, house shepherds. That's all the fellowship walking in um, side. Then the service side, facilities. So for some of you saying, hey, I'm not a people person. There's nothing for me to do. Sure there is. There's all kinds of stuff. We've got a facility that we do not have full-time janitorial. And uh, some of you may really... Be blessed doing something for Jesus as simple as picking up the parking lot. As simple as coming in here straight in chairs. As simple as getting rooms ready. That's a tremendous thing. And when you find other people wired like that, you're going to have great fellowship because you're wired the same way. You don't have to always be a people person. Technology. There's one that was never on the church before and now it's one of the main engines. Right? And we got all kinds of technology. I mean, we got a web page and we got stuff I don't even know we got. Right? This is not my area of strength. We've got, I mean, we've got Facebook and we've got, I think we got Instagram. We got Twitter. We got, they got me doing a Twitter account. I don't even know how it works. But I just tell what I do every day and, and I have followers. I'm astonished. I have followers that follow. So anyways, the point is, there's, you, there's those of you that, that's your language, right? That's your world. You, you speak code. You get together and you all talk code and you just, oh, what is the Holy Spirit was at work? Awesome. All right? That's a great team and a great fellowship to be tied around. Child care. Here's what I want to say about child care. I'll do anything in church but child care. You have no idea what the blessing you're missing. What if you were asked to teach a third grade class and what if in that third grade class the next Billy Graham was in there? And what if you said, Lord, no, I ain't teaching third grade. Okay? And God said later, you know, you could have been the one who set the pinnings for the next Billy Graham. Would that have been an opportunity? Wow, what if it was the next Dwight Moody? What about, think about this. You want power? Just think if you were the teacher in the nursery with the next Billy Graham and you changed his diapers. <laughs> Don't get smart with me, boy. I changed your diapers. Okay? That's a lot of power. All right? See, serving one another. By the way, I don't know about you, but kids are a tremendous blessing. I did watch camp. They, our older kids rolled out of camp this year because they all graduated. And we had young kids, I mean, little kids. Like, wow. I was like, oh my goodness. It was like starting camp all over again. And, and it brought me back to when my kids were that age. And it was like, just little rugrats running around. Oh, it was so much fun. I mean, we just had a hoot. But we miss a lot when we don't serve that way. Anyways, you can see the rest of these first impressions. That's kind of Zach's. What does the whole place look like when you first walk in? Uh, outreach, missions. 
Uh, community interest, benevolence. We do a great job benevolence-wise as a church. And we don't talk about it, we don't break, but we reach a, do a lot in-house and we do a lot outside the walls to help people. And uh, it's one of the hallmarks, fantastically generous church when it comes to the family care offerings and that kind of stuff. And then you can see the staff where we've broken down into the different areas. So the, the idea here is ministering in teams together and being organized together so that not only are we efficient, that's helpful, but that we have fellowship together, that there's bonding. And, hey, I served under the community or I served in the outreach together. And this is my posse. Here's, here's who I run with. We'll give you more of that in the future. And some of you are saying, well, look, Steve, ah, that's great, but I am not made for the box. Okay? I come to church, but really I'm wired for outside of the box. And so, you know, there's not a lot for me. Well, we got all kinds of stuff outside the box. You want to go outside the box? Oh, here, I've got to do one more thing. Let me show you how this is broke down. So let's take Al's, the community. Go back to this one, sorry. Go back to the committees. You can see Al's there. If you go and break that out, look at, you got men's ministry. There's all the guys under men's ministry, women's. We didn't get Susan's names, but there's a lot of them under there. Connect groups of Brian community groups. You can see the names of the team that are putting that together. We have nobody for seniors, second half, and we have nobody for college and career single age. There may be someone this morning who says, hey, you know what? I know there's a lot of college and singles rolling through this church, and I bet you if they just had somebody who would open their home and keep them in touch email, we could collect a lot of them. I'd like to be that person. See, we need people to own these areas. We need lieutenants. Somebody says, I will own that one. That, one's, that one I know the Lord's told me, that's mine. That's the one I want to do. Because there's too many of us sitting on the sides, and what happens is, that we're getting exhausted. So if the 80-20 rule works, that means 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. That means there's a whole lot of us working way too hard and some of us not working hard enough. And so what happens is we end up getting um, thin. And the idea of working with teams is many hands make light work. Now let's go to the outside the box. If you like outside the box, here's all our outside stuff. We got all kinds of stuff. We got Young Life. We've got Youth for Christ. We've got, uh, if you like to work with pregnant teen moms, we've got that. You like missions, we've got that. We've got fantastic missions. We've got Compassion. We've got Mexico. We've got uh, uh, Everett Gospel Mission. If you like working with the homeless and the poor, we've got, we've got all kinds of There's more than what's even up there. But the idea is that you can serve on a team in these areas as well. Missions committee, you can work on different things. And the idea there is to be engaged, not just to be used, but to be in fellowship at all. So this morning, um, that's just to kind of whet your appetite. This morning, the question is, are you investing in the kingdom? You know, if you watch TV, uh, the, the, the investment thing is, the, and the, the, the marketing on it is incredible these days. Have you heard this phrase on TV or radio? You deserve this. You deserve that car. You deserve that boat. You deserve this home. You deserve, right? And they, they all cater to, you deserve this, and, and they've gotten really good at it. And you walk around going, yeah, I do deserve that, you know, kind of thing. Well, do we actually deserve anything? The only thing I know that Scripture says we actually deserve is hell. Right? Think about that once. Everything else the Lord gives is out of His generosity. And the Lord is incredibly generous. So we've got to get away from this I deserve uh, kind of language because it, it undermines what the Lord uh, wants to do with us. And uh, the question this morning that I want you to think about is this one. Uh, am I a fan or a follower? All right, let me give you some differences 
between a, a fan or follower. By the way, I'd recommend uh, Kyle Eidelman's book, uh, Not a Fan. And what he does is he basically says, what's the difference between a fan and a follower of Jesus? What's the difference between a follower of Jesus and a fan? And let me just give you four of each and see if these make sense to you. So from a fan's perspective, if you think about a fan, what does a fan do? He sits on the sideline and watches. Okay, right? That's my job. I sit on the, do I have to do anything? Do I have to get in? No. I just sit on the sideline and I applaud. Or I boo, depending on the service. But I, I don't, it doesn't cost me anything. I just sit there. Second thing about a fan, uh, if you think about it, a fan can offer very sharp opinions and critiques because why? They cost him nothing. Right? He doesn't have to be engaged in it. He can just throw it out. In the NFL, uh, on the NFL Network, we call this the Skip Bayless effect. Right? Talking head. And he doesn't like the Seahawks, so all Seahawks fans hate him kind of thing. But he just disses the Seahawks all the time. Why can't he do that? Because it doesn't cost him nothing, and it boosts his ratings. And, and we can be that way. And a lot of times we can be sitting in there and barking. A lot of times I've learned that people bark the lardest in churches sometimes have no investment in the church they're barking about. Uh, well, and you need to know this if you're here and if you're new. If you come to me and you bark, that's okay because I don't mind people barking. I understand it. Life's a mess and we get along together. But if you come in and you're barking about something, my first question would be, do you tithe? And if you say no, I go, okay, thanks. Good conversation. Because what have I learned over the years? The legalists, the ones who demand all this stuff and all the changes are often the ones that are not involved. The people who don't say anything are often the ones that give it all on the table, right? They're the ones invested. They're the ones. That, and so a, a, fan, a fan doesn't have to be invested. And you often hear it this way. I, I like going to your church, right? I like going to your church. What's wrong with that statement? It's not their church. See, if you're a fan, Northview doesn't have to be home. You don't have to belong to it. You don't invest it. You, it's, your, it's your church. Steve, I like coming to your church. Well, it's not Steve's church. It's Jesus' church. And if you're a Christian, the question is, are you called to that particular family? That's really important. Are you called to this particular family? A fan isn't. isn't. Number three, um, a fan doesn't have to invest. You know, if you think about a fan, a fan shows up at the game gets their popcorn or whatever, sits down, watches the game, and then leaves. Throws all the stuff on the floor and then walks out. fan doesn't have to set up. A fan doesn't have to take down. A fan doesn't have to clean up. Um, I was telling Alex yesterday when we were hauling after that we were still putting stuff in the store. I said, Alex, see, this is the part of camp people don't see. I said, they don't see this part. They just think it all happens. You just show up and it's there. And, and that's what fans are looking for. But someone has to do the work. Right? Someone has to do the work or it, it doesn't happen. The fourth thing is, if you're a fan, even if you have tickets, you don't have to show up. Oh, it's cold outside. It's raining. We, we stayed up late last night. You know, because you know, a lot, right? Don't a lot of people treat, treat church like going to the movie theater? Right? You walk in, pay your money, enjoy the show, hey, where's the popcorn? And, and then walk out. Boy, that was good. Well, they should improve these couple things. In, in the church world, there's this mysterious they. Always floating around. Okay, They should. And uh, often I find out they is me. Okay? And that doesn't work very well, right? So they needs to become we. 
Does that make sense? So when we're talking about what we're talking about is we don't want to be a church of fans. We don't want to be a church of users, a church of takers, a church of just shore uppers, which we're not, by the way. Again, I'm preaching to the empty chairs. Okay? But even we need to hear. So what does a follower look like? Well, look at the difference uh, with a follower. First one, a follower is engaged in the Christian life. We're involved. In other words, there's a huge difference between those who play the game and those who watch the game. A professional football game is often described as 22 men desperately in need of a break, being watched by 60,000 people desperately in need of some exercise. And, and the Lord does not want us all being spectators. He wants us to be participating in the game. So the idea here is we are engaged in it. it. We are involved with it. We are serving one another in some capacity. Second thing is that a follower understands that it isn't as easy as it looks. Right? Some of the high school students, you've been around long enough now. Right? You're old now. Okay? So you've been wrong enough to do some of this stuff and actually try some of the Christian stuff that Jesus talks about. Is it easy? Okay. Adults, does it get any easier when we get our age? Okay, so we're all incompetent. That's what that means. All right. No, what does it mean? It's one thing to talk the Christian life. It's another thing when you actually do it. And when you actually try to do the things that Jesus has asked us to do, right? responsibility, Jesus calls, asks us to do it, we follow. When you actually try to do it, you find out it isn't that easy. Some of us do some things pretty good, pretty well, but then we hit other things, we're awful at it. And guess what? Sometimes God calls you to awful things just to show you your need for Him. And so in this process, when we're talking about being a follower, the follower understands it's not as easy as it looks. And so when you try it and you don't do so well, I can have compassion for you. I can say, hey, that's okay. You know, when I first started, I flubbed that up too. Here's what the Lord taught me about that. And you know, well, yeah. You know, here's what the Lord taught me. And, and what's in, great when you're in small groups, you learn all kinds of shortcuts and wisdom to do things the right way that otherwise would take you years. You can accomplish in weeks, if not months. Right? Because the collected wisdom of those who've walked before you. And so uh, a follower understands that and... Uh, we have to focus on, on these words, discipline, endurance, and steadfastness. I don't know about you, but I do that a lot better in a group than I do alone. If there's 10 of us and we all got to run, I do better than if I have to run by myself. And it's true the Christian life. If we all got to go through hard things together, those are not bad words. In our culture, they're treated like bad words, but they're not. They're great words that say we stay focused and we don't grow weary and we don't quit. Jesus is not looking for people who won't quit half or three quarters way through. And I almost want to quit there most of the time. All right? And it's because of other people around me that I keep going. And so that's important. Uh, three, a follower is all in. All right? So first, a, Christian, a follower is engaged in the Christian life, right? We're not just watching game. We're actually participating. Two, we understand it isn't as easy, as easy as it looks. Three, a follower is all in. That means totally committed. That means uh, all the cards on the table. That means Jesus has the right to ask of me anything he wants. Is that your agreement um, with him? Uh, when Pam and I were getting married, I meant to share this first service and I forgot, but when we got married, I sat her down and said, okay, this is all really good and you're all really cute and this is fun and, and I think this is a going deal. So one more thing before we decide we hit the yes button and, and we get married. She goes, what's that? I said, you need to understand something. There's something that's absolutely non-negotiable 
It's not on the table. It can never come up for renegotiation. And you need to know that before we go into it. And I said, if it's a deal breaker, I totally understand. If you want to walk, that's fantastic. But I said, here's the deal. The deal with Jesus is anywhere, any place, any time. And if he calls, then the house goes, the furniture goes, the cars go, the stuff go, and then we go. All right? And I said, if you can live with that, if you can have joy with that, if you can agree with that, then we can get married. If not, we should break it off right now because they're never going to renegotiate that piece. And she said yes. Isn't that awesome? Yeah! Woo! I got a great wife. So, but is that true for you? Is that deal on the table with the Lord all in? Uh, you know, when you look at all in people, they live it, they breathe it, right? They pray it because it really matters and, and, and they're invested in it. Then the fourth thing is, if you're a follower, not showing up is not an option. It's a call. Okay? Uh, I, I got done here Wednesday night at 10. I got done here Friday night at 10. So when Saturday morning rolled around and camp started at 9, we had to get up at 6 to get up. I wasn't moving as fast as I was on Tuesday. And I was thinking, man, I am not 29 anymore, right? And I was kind of thinking, I'd like to lay in bed another 45 minutes. And I thought, okay, if you don't get up, who's going to get the water and do the stuff and get the stuff at camp set up in time that the kids are there? I went, well, I guess I'm it, right? And I had to go do it. Have you been in those places where it's not optional? Whether you feel like it or not is not the question on the table because God's not asking if you feel like showing up. He's asking you to show up. Okay? And matter of fact, here's what I've discovered in my time in the Christian life. It is almost invariably the ones I don't want to show up to the most that when I do show up, I get blessed out of the best. It's the ones I went, man, I do not want to go to church this morning. Well, I know you do that. Preacher does that sometimes too. I don't want to go. Well, who's going to? Oh, yeah, I got to go. Okay. Uh, and invariably, the events that I fought the worst, I show up and I went, oh, my gosh, what I would have missed if I hadn't come. Get that lesson, Mitch, in your head. And we've got to realize that, that God, a lot of times we think he designed it to punish us. No. He's designed it to bless us. He honors those who serve him. And here's the thing. When, you know, the team down in Nicaragua, now a lot of them got sick this week, okay? So uh, first uh, Shannon and uh, Caden went down, and then uh, Joan and Roger went down, and then yesterday Kayla and a couple others went down. And, you know, now who would pick to say, hey, I like that idea. I'm going to volunteer to go on a trip where I get a stomach virus and puke in 93 degree heat and have to lay in a bed with no air conditioning and this is called serving God. Awesome. I'm up for that. Okay? You go, why would anybody do that? But here's the thing. They are being stamped by the Lord. In some of those moments, God is probably even speaking to them about what their life call is going to be in serving Him. And guess what? They are going to remember that the rest of their life because there was a price tag associated. Remember David said, I will not sacrifice that which has cost me nothing. Right? They will remember that and it will be seared into their mind and they will never forget the conversations that they have had with Jesus in Nicaragua. Why? Because it's going to be that real to them. 
Right? And right now, I'll bet you, even as I'm speaking, those of you who've been on missions trips are relating back to trips you've been on and when you heard God call. And some of those trips had miserable components to them. Okay? But yet, when you look back, that's not what you remember. What do you remember? You remember what Jesus said to you on that trip. And you have never forgotten. Matter of fact, right now, it's probably coming back and going, oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. Right? And, and God does that. And that's the idea of all in. Because in that, we see Jesus in a way we'd never otherwise see him. It's one thing to understand the game of football sitting in the bleachers. It's another thing to understand the game of football being on the field and playing. And it's the same is true with the Christian life. And so the question this morning, are you a fan or are you a follower? We want to develop a church of followers. We want to be all in, engaged as a group of people, serving one another, serving Jesus And may his life burst out among us. Let's pray. Father, as we walk through this, um, there are all kinds of levels. We got young people in the audience, we got old people in the audience, we got married people, we got single people, we got people with family, we got people alone, we got uh, every stage you may. We got people who uh, are people person, we got people who aren't people persons. We've got people who are extroverts, we got people who are introverts, we got people whose life is really rocking and going good right now. And they're excited about what you're doing. We've got people who are in a desert in the valley. Here's the fascinating thing. You can speak to all of that. You are um, absolutely very adept at knowing the state of our heart. And I don't know what level or what category I was speaking to this morning, but Lord, this morning you do. And you know who you're talking to. And we know that you want us engaged. What would that look like? Where could we start? What's the first step? Lord, you could lay that out this morning for people and get them out of the seats, out of the bleachers, and onto the field playing, and we know our world needs it. So we pray for that in your name. Amen.